today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. They have the, the language of the religion down just perfectly pat. And, they showed themselves to be highly religious and ceremonially pure and they would walk around and they would literally puff themselves up as being something. But in reality, before God, they were nothing. As a matter of fact, we we read of some that would even have uh, others come along and blow a trumpet as they were getting ready to drop their offering in the treasury there in the temple. Hey, look at me. I'm, I'm giving here. Yeah, you see, I'm giving here. Hey, look at me. I'm giving. They wanted everybody to see how, again, important they were. God isn't impressed with religious ceremony and self-importance. So if we become more concerned about what people think through the demonstration of religious activities rather than pleasing God, we'll walk in self-deception. In today's message with Pastor David, let's take the opportunity to hear how the Word of God weighs our actions and motivations concerning worship. If what we seek are the praises of men, that is all we'll get. But if our heart is pure, we will bless the Lord. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, A Dark Facade of Religion. The entrance of your words give light, and it gives understanding to the simple. How many can testify of that? Amen? <laughs> gives understanding to the simple. Prophetic words of, of Isaiah, uh, I, Isaiah chapter 9, a very familiar verse to many of you. Uh, he says that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Beloved, whenever and wherever God's word, God's truth comes in, it brings in light, and that light reveals truth. That truth has to be received internally in order for it to really have an effect in our lives. If the light shines, the truth of God shines toward our life. We hear it, we understand it, but we don't respond to it, and we don't allow it to impact our life then we actually become worse off than we were before because now we've rejected the very truth that has been made known to us. But once we receive that truth, once we allow it to come into our lives and our lives begin to be changed and conformed to the very image of Christ, once that happens, that truth being received internally, it affects our lives. And the light of the gospel comes in and the facades of our lives begin to crumble down and crumble away because then truth is revealed. Does that mean that then we'll be absolutely perfect in everything? No, that means that we're open to God's work and change in our life. We're open to being honest toward each other. 
we can then grow in our relationships with each other because we're not trying to deceive each other. We're not trying to trick each other. We're able to grow in our relationship with Christ because we're not trying to deceive Christ as if we ever could. As if we could ever in our lives put a facade that covers not only the front, but that covers us totally, that God wouldn't be able to see. No, but God knows. God knows the very depth and the core of our hearts. The Pharisees continue to do battle. Jesus earlier on, or actually in in the gospel according to Luke, in Luke 8, Jesus told him, he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. But the Pharisees continued to reject Jesus, and so they continued to remain in darkness. Do you know that each one of us is controlled either by light or by darkness. We're controlled either by truth or by a lie. The frightening thing is is that some people have so, so hardened themselves that they can't really tell the difference anymore. They've hardened themselves to the, to the wooing of the enemy of our souls as he comes and tries to direct us. They've, they've hardened themselves to the attractions of the world. They've hardened themselves to, uh, again, the, the, the very call of the flesh to where, hey, sometimes I'm in the flesh, sometimes I'm in the spirit, and I don't know which one I'm at. What a horrible situation that is because they're not allowing the truth to really come in. They're not allowing the light of the gospel to come in and really reveal the truth of their lives. They're covered by a facade of religious activity, and in reality, they're following darkness rather than light. Unfortunate reality is, is, yeah, I believe in churches all over. And for years, that reality, that truth is there. That if we don't open up our understanding, if we don't open up our eyes, our hearts, the very core of our lives to God's truth, and then respond correctly to that truth once we know it, we build up these layers of facade. And each time we hear the truth and we don't respond accordingly to the direction of that truth, we place another layer of religious facades before us. And it becomes harder and harder for us to be led and moved by that truth when we hear it. Even when the light of the world stood right before these Pharisees, they remained in darkness. Even when the truth of God was spoken, they continued to rest within that facade of religion. What a sad situation. What a desperate situation that is for them. But then I wonder how many today are in that same situation. We hear the truth, but we don't respond to it. The light comes in, but there's no change in the reality of our lives. We next see that one of the Pharisees invites him to dinner, and you you think, hey, that's really nice, okay? He wants to have fellowship with Jesus until you realize, no, the reason why he invites him to dinner, because he wants to catch him. He, He wants to catch him in something that he says or something that he does. Look down in verse 37. As Jesus spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to come and dine with him. And so he went in and sat down to eat. What Pharisee wanted to do is, yeah, he wanted to have Jesus for dinner. Okay, no, do you understand what I'm saying? He wanted to have Jesus for dinner, okay? But Jesus understood and knew. He he knew the hearts of all men. He didn't come in foolishly. He didn't come in blind. But it does say he went in and he sat down to eat. Went in and sat down to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, he marveled that Jesus had not first washed before dinner. (laughs) Do you get the picture there? 
again, you, you need to understand, Jesus understood exactly what was going on. Jesus understood the traditions of the elders. He understood what was supposed to take place according to these Pharisees. But I think very purposefully, he just went in and sat down. And, and you need to understand about this washing. This isn't the fact that your third grader has been playing out in the mud all day and it's time for dinner. Oh my goodness, wash those hands. No, this was that ceremonial ritual washing that the Pharisees had, and they had it down pat. They knew how many times you had to dip your hands, how many eggshells of water had to be poured over your hands to get this ritual, this ceremonial cleanliness. And again, Jesus wasn't going to play any of those Pharisaical games. You look at it, they had very little to do about cleanliness and everything to do with religious ritual. Again, it was a facade it was a tradition of the elders. It wasn't the law of God. Jesus didn't break any of the laws of God, but he cared nothing about the traditions of the elders because it's the traditions of the elders that continued to weigh the people down with this rule and this regulation and this law, not the law of God, but the traditions of the elders. And they used those things to literally weigh down the people. The Lord knew what the Pharisee was speaking about and what he was thinking. And so, again, he used it as an occasion to point out the error of that whole attitude, this pharisaical attitude, this attitude that comes with this idea of having that facade. And so in verse 39, the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and the dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. I love how the Lord was gentle in how he deals with these things. You're just full of greed and wickedness, man. But then he goes on, verse 40. Foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? You see, again, the Pharisees were so concerned about this outward appearance of religion. They kept the facade looking fine. Fresh coat of paint every once in a while. But it did nothing for the inside. Aren't you glad that people aren't that way today? All too real, isn't it? We want the world, we want our neighbors, we want our friends, we want our brothers and sisters in Christ to think that we've got it all together and so we put a facade on. We want God to think that we're doing right, so we try to put a facade on before God, but God sees right through it. They kept the facade going and yet they continually neglected and they ignored that inward reality of their sinfulness. One of the things that Jesus brings to point here is that inward sin of greed and wickedness. And then he goes on. He doesn't leave it there. He actually now gives three woes to these Pharisees. And whenever Jesus gives you a woe, a W-O-E, then you and I need to woe, W-H-O-A, okay? We need to stop pay attention of what he's saying. Listen to what he says here in verse 41. He starts, he says, you know, you give alms of such things as you have, and then indeed all things are clean to you. In other words, you, you do this little bit of the work of the law or the spiritual uh, ritual or ceremony, and then you think that everything is fine. Verse 42, but woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and you pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others 
undone. So they would tithe even the, the herbs that they would grow at home, these little bits and pieces. They were so meticulous about maintaining that portion of the law, and yet their love for God was being neglected. Jesus says, hey, you ought to do both. You ought to be faithful in the stewardship of all that you have, but you know what? You also need to be faithful in the stewardship of your inner life also. He says in verse 43, Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and the greetings in the marketplaces. Oh, if you could see the, the, the Pharisees of that day. They have the, the language of the religion down just perfectly pat, and they showed themselves to be highly religious and ceremonially pure, and they would walk around and they would literally puff themselves up as being something. When in reality, before God, they were nothing. As a matter of fact, we, we read of some that would even have uh, others come along and blow a trumpet as they were getting ready to drop their offering in the treasury there in the temple. Hey, look at me. I'm, I'm giving here. Yeah, you see, I'm giving here. Hey, look at me. I'm giving. They wanted everybody to see how, again, important they were. Once again, I'm glad we don't have those issues today. I say that facetiously, I say that tongue-in-cheek, because the unfortunate reality is, is too many people are more concerned about what other people think about their religious standing than they're concerned about what God thinks of their standing. A dangerous situation, an extremely dangerous place to be. He goes on one more time, verse 44, woe to you, you scribes, you Pharisees, you hip, I would love to hear the, just the, the way that Jesus would say that. Suddenly, scribe and you Pharisees. I mean, it almost, it almost man, it's almost like, a, again, almost, I know the Lord wouldn't use this, but it would be almost like a swear word. You scribes, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. I think that he put that much emphasis on that just simply because he knows that they're holding on to a title much more than they're holding on to a position in Christ or in God at that point in time. He knew that that title was important, but he says, you're a bunch of hypocrites because you're like graves which are not seen and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. In other words, there's deadness all about you and the world doesn't realize that, but God knows it. There's a deadness, there's a rottenness within you that, that people pass by. They don't see it, but God sees it. At another occasion, Jesus tells them, you're like a bunch of whitewashed tombs. On the outside, you're all beautiful, but on the inside, you're filled with dead men's bones. And beloved, that's what having a religious facade does to you. It's death on the inside, regardless of what it looks like on the outside. We can come and we can be active and we can speak the right words. We can speak Christianese with the best of them. But beloved, if our lives aren't changed on the inside, if it's not real and true on the inside, it actually does more damage to us than anything else. There's no doubt these Pharisees, they were sticklers for the law and for the tradition of the elders. They, they held these things as a matter of pride, much more than a humility before God that says, Lord, your word, I've hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. Uh, Lord, I, I delight in your law and I, I desire to follow it. Not in that attitude. No, they followed it with an attitude of pride. And the fallacy of these outside acts is what Jesus is pointing out to them because it brings destruction to the inner man. 
They were totally me-focused. And while Jesus points these things out to him, to the Pharisee there and the others in the room, a, a particular lawyer now steps in, and he tries his hand in, in a kind of a defensive position. But, but he's not able to hold it very long, and, and Jesus comes in with a few more woes. Verse 45, he says, Then one of the lawyers answered and said, Teacher, by saying these things, you reproach us also. Now, wait a minute. Now you're talking about me. That's kind of the attitude. You're, you're talking about, wait, whoa, 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 now you're kind of being me. And, and Jesus doesn't deny it at all. This lawyer's nose is definitely out of joint, and Jesus is going to come in, and he's going to give it a few more tweaks. He says in verse 46, woe to you also, lawyers. Maybe he said that in the same way that he said scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. I don't know. He says, you load men down with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves, you don't even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. After laying down all these laws and these rules and these regulations on the people, these lawyers did absolutely nothing to assist anyone. They, they cared nothing really about the people. All they cared about was their position. They use these rules and these regulations to, to come against the people and, and thus exalting themselves. Once again, these, these were the traditions of the elders, not the laws of God, but the traditions of the elders. So Jesus continues on, verse 47, Woe to you! You build the tombs of the prophets and, and your fathers killed them. In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore, the wisdom of God also said, I will send my prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute, that the blood of the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the temple. Yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation. These men took such great pride in building these big memorials, these, these, these shrines, literally, to these fallen prophets, without recognizing that it was the leaders of the past who had the very same attitude, the very same ideas and thoughts, the very same types of facades, their fathers before them, having the same heart, are the ones that killed many of these prophets. And now these here, it's kind of, again, just kind of a, a religious attitude. They go and they build these great shrines to this great prophet over here. But yet men just like them, with their same attitudes, are the ones that had killed them. This idea of religious self-righteousness. This pride in their own ability to keep the law actually showed a, a lack of true love for God, and it definitely showed a lack of true love for the humanity that was around him. And that leads to, uh, to this sort and this kind of ideology, this kind of mindset. Jesus goes on in 52. He says, Woe to you, lawyers, for you've taken away the key of knowledge, and yet you don't enter in yourself. And those who are entering in, you hindered. These are men that should have encouraged truth. They should have encouraged knowledge to the masses of the people. And yet once again in their own arrogance, they were, they were superior to others. They lacked humility. They lacked love. And once the truth, the real truth had been given, man has to deal with it. And yet they didn't. They pulled away from the truth. Oh, they declared it of what you need to do. 
but in their own lives, they weren't fulfilling it. Quite often when the truth comes, you know this yourselves, we understand this ourselves, when the truth comes, a necessary change needs to take place. A change in action, a change in attitudes. When the truth and the light of the gospel comes into our lives, there needs to be a change of passions and a change of desires in our lives. When the truth and the hope of the gospel, when the light of Christ comes into us, there needs to be a change of the focus and a change of the meaning of our lives. Oh, these lawyers, they knew the scriptures. They knew them better than all of the population. And yet they refused to listen to its lessons because they could not handle the truth. They just could not handle it. This is what you need to do. No, I'm not doing that. I'm going to continue on and continue building up this facade. They had truth but they didn't enter into it themselves, and they hindered the other ones that desired to enter into it. Verse 53. And Jesus said these things to them, the, the scri- or as he did, the scribes and the Pharisees, they began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things, laying in wait for him and, and seeking to catch him, and something that he might say in order that they might accuse him. Oh, they listened intently to Jesus. They were the ones that were right there listening and hanging on every word, not because they wanted the truth in their lives, not because they wanted the light of the gospel to come in and change them, but in order that they might bring accusations to them. The Pharisees did everything they could possibly do to hide and to block away the truth. The Pharisees did everything they can to keep the truth from prevailing and working in their lives. And they were left outside of God's kingdom because of that very thing. They were outside of God's kingdom even though they looked like they were inside. They looked like they were a part of God's kingdom. But in reality, because they didn't let the light of the gospel, the hope and the truth of God's word change their lives, they actually remained on the outside. How many of you have been to Disneyland, the one in California? You've been to Disneyland, a pretty good fair amount of you. The rest of you, hopefully someday you'll get saved, you'll be able to go over. No. <laughs> in Disneyland, one of, one of the very popular attractions there, one of the very popular rides is the Haunted Mansion. Now, I know Christians don't go to the Haunted Mansion, but uh, I know of people who have. No, very fun ride. Do you realize that The Haunted Mansion is as beautiful as it is. You know it's a facade. You understand that. And the facade is just absolutely beautiful on the outside. These scrolled iron uh, uh, kind of linings around the porches and these huge columns that go up in the front. Just an absolutely beautiful building on the outside. But did you know that the actual ride of the Haunted Mansion isn't on the property of Disneyland? It's built right on the edge of the property, and Disneyland actually had to buy a building right on the other side to be able to put the Haunted Mansion all together. You see, on the outside, it looks like it's part of the kingdom, but the reality is it's outside the kingdom. How many believers? Well, let me back that up. How many church people today, they look like they're part of the kingdom on the outside? But in the reality, the depth of their heart, they're on the outside. Open up your eyes.
Learning more about Jesus is the single most important thing we can do as Christians. As we carefully consider how Jesus lived, we see beautiful examples that can apply to our lives. Though the entire Bible is rich with symbols and images that point to Jesus, the Gospels are grand central station for who Jesus is. Join us each day as Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe you're listening right now in Casa Grande and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday and Saturday. For more information, call us at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Or log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to the church website. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.